Hi there, this is Greg Robertson, Assistant Pastor with Life Church Manila. Just want to welcome you to another life changing, uplifting message from Life Church. Enjoy our podcast. Who's excited about this word? You must be. I've really got your confidence high this morning. <laughs> no, it's all good. It's all good. We've had an awesome week and it's amazing. Like, um, I felt like God gave me this word on Monday. I, I don't normally hear many things on Monday. Does anyone else love it? <laughs> Other than, Lord help me. But um, this week, God just really... This new song we did, Freedom, this morning, I just oh, I just love this song and I just kept singing where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And So I started investigating freedom. I started looking up my Bible and it wasn't until, I think, Tuesday, I don't know when Stacey rang me and said, I thought I just felt to ask you if you wanted to preach, you know, this week. Or <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, no, that's a bit too soon. We'll leave it a couple of weeks. Anyway, then I just got off the phone and went, I've got to do it this week. I don't really have time, I don't really want to do this this week, but I just really felt God was wanting to bring this word this week. Okay, so this is obviously something I need to preach this morning, and um, with my dad being unwell today, God already knew, God already knew that this was meant to be today, and I just really feel there's an anointing, okay? So I wanted to speak about freedom, obviously, <laughs> this morning. We used to have a bird, where's my brother? We used to have a bird called Cruz, am I correct in saying Cruz? The bird formerly known as Kramer, I wrote here. <laughs> I think he started out as Kramer and then he ended up as being called Cruz. And our bird, Cruz, he, he just flew around everywhere, didn't he? This was pre-renovation of your house, wasn't it? He would just, he never stayed in his cage. And I've got a picture of Stephen with his beanie on with this bird, like this budgie sitting on his head. Cause he was just, I was always worried he was gonna, well, you know what I mean, just poof on me. So I wasn't as confident, but Stephen just took him around everywhere on his, in your head, didn't he? So, I mean, that was, you, th- you say free as a bird, Cruz was free. He's now freely roaming the skies. He's now buried in the backyard, isn't he? But um, <laughs> he's in my parents' backyard, the little cross out there, but Cruz is in heaven. But um, he was a very trusting bird. So then I saw this week, what do they say about falling off the perch? This bird's fallen off the perch. He's not meant to be off the perch. That's not my example this morning. This is going from bad to worse. Anyway, this is my daughter's bird. It's, and um, great example. I just thought there was a fundamental flaw, though, with this cage. Can anyone spot the flaw? The massive hole in the front and the back. Right, so there's obviously some design flaws. I, I'm a designer. I love designing. They say form follows function. There is no function or form with this cage. But anyway, my example's going from bad to worse. But I'm thinking of Kramer. He was a bird, Cruz, that was happy to fly and had the freedom. This bird has freedom because there's a giant hole in his cage. Mind you, he's a plastic bird. But anyway, if he wasn't a plastic bird, he could obviously get out of this cage, couldn't he? So I'm thinking often animals, even though their cage door is open, stay in their cage. Have you ever seen that? They are trained there's even elephants like that, that they can stay trained and stuck with a little chain on their leg. So they're free. This bird is actually free, but it's not living free. It's also plastic and lying on the ground. So I'm going to put this bird down here. We'll rescue him later. So this morning, there is, I wanted to let you know there's a difference between being free and living free. 
All right, so that is the difference this morning. So firstly, if you are a born-again believer today, you've accepted Christ, the door is open. All right, we've been singing about it, we've been talking about it, Betty's been talking about it, the door is open. Jesus came to give us freedom. So let's read about it here in, now I can't even read where it is. That's no good, is it? Luke, see, this is my printer. Luke 4, 18, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has appointed me, anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and the recovery of sight to the blind. He has come to set the oppressed free and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So, also in Romans 6, verse 6, we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with and we would no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Okay, I love these verses. This is positional freedom this morning. Romans 8, verses 1 to 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So our freedom is positional. Okay, this morning, if you've accepted Christ, you've gone from one kingdom to another kingdom. Okay, so you've stepped out of sin and death and you're now free into righteousness. Okay, so that is, I'm telling you what you are this morning. I, I don't know what you think, but this is, I'm telling you who you are this morning. This is what God has done. So our standing with God has changed. So why is it so important for us to start to live in freedom? And this brings me to my verse this morning we were singing, For the Lord is the Spirit, Second Corinthians 3 verse 17. The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit is, there is freedom. We love singing that. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. So I went looking. I thought, where is this verse? Where is this verse? I, I don't know if I've ever read it where it is in the Bible. Did you know it's really good to actually read where a scripture is in the Word and see where it sits and see what context because it can totally change what the verse means. For example, I can do all things through Christ who give me strength. It doesn't mean you can do anything you want anytime you like. Put it in context. I can live in supply. God is my supply. I can do all things. I can live through all things. So that is the context. So let's go to the context of this verse. And this verse, um, the chapter 3 in Corinthians, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, comparing the glory of the old covenant law of Moses and the much greater glory of the new covenant, which we live in. <laughs> Thank you, God. So it is saying, if we go to verse 13 of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 3, we are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull. This is the Israelites. For this day, for to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it removed or taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. And the same thing with people that don't know God. There's a veil, something covering their hearts. So you can talk to them about God all you like, but there's, there's no understanding. Okay. So whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the, the veil is taken away, which is what happens through salvation. The next part here, I want you to notice how much the Spirit is mentioned and glory. So now the Lord is the Spirit. This is verse... I can't read it, 17. The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate or reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. 
So what, what is the emphasis here? When the author, when the, um, the writer is repeating something, that is what we need to take note of. The most important thing here is the spirit and the revealing of glory. So, the, so in freedom is knowing who Christ is. That is our freedom. Okay, Freedom is not an end in itself that we're just free. We are called into freedom through the Spirit. So the Spirit points to Christ, so therefore we are free through the Spirit so we can point to Christ and we can reveal Christ. That is why we are free, is to reveal Christ through the Spirit. So it can go round and round and round, and the verse can seem to. But the more we focus on Christ, the more we reflect Christ. And the more we reflect Christ, the more we are transformed into being like Christ. Whatever you look at the most, you become. Is that true? The more you're looking at Christ, the more you're becoming like Christ this morning. And in that is the freedom. That is what the freedom is, that we can become more like Christ, that we can reflect Christ. And it's not about us. Is it okay if I say this morning it's not about you? I know Joyce Meyer says, what does she say? She says something like that. It's not about me or, oh, what about me? What about, what about me? What about me? <laughs> and as Christians sometimes, what about me? Where's my blessing? Where's my freedom? No, no, no. And God's saying, what about them? What about them? <laughs> Why do we need to be free so we can reflect his glory to people that are going to hell this morning in our town? I know that's a bit heavy, but it's true. Okay, we don't need to come in here every week to try and get enough to survive another week as a Christian. It should be in here celebrating what God's done and then taking it out. We need to be free this morning. There's a lot of Christians, and I know I say it myself in this, we still live as slaves. Okay, if we're not seeing change in our life, we're still struggling with the same things all the time, we're not free. We're not living in freedom, and God calls us to. Right, so I want to show you some things that can stop you from being free this morning, okay? All right, so the first thing that can stop you living in freedom is sin, which is how you walk. I think of sin, uh, how I walk through my life, and is sin holding me back? Galatians chapter 5 is just an amazing freedom chapter, okay? Get stuck in Galatians 5 for a while, it is amazing. And it says in verse 19 to 21, the works of the flesh are evident. And then it goes through a big list. Okay, I'm going to read some out. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, 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 selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresy, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, of which I tell you beforehand, as I've told you in the past, those that practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is right now, so you can't be hearing from God, you can't be inheriting any promises of God if you are willfully sinning. So some of these sins here, we're talking about, oh, I accidentally said something I shouldn't. Okay, move on, God will ask for God's forgiveness, it's all good. I'm talking about, you know it's wrong, and it says in there it's wrong, but you keep doing it. Okay, even as a Christian, there's things that, oh, everyone in the world does it, so it's okay. No, well, what does, he, what does God say about it? I'm going to live by what God says, even if it's not cool. 
Okay, so I don't care what people say. This is what we live by. These are the works of the flesh. So the difference with habitual sin are things, I'd call them, what it mentions there, idolatry. And this is actually, it's almost like sin that's, it's not sin in itself, but it can become sin. Can I explain? So there are things that aren't sin in themselves, like sport, TV, holidays or shopping or food. So they're not sinful, are they? They're not sinful things. But if there's a habitual behaviour there that we are constantly craving those things more than God, that is sin because that is idolatry, which is an idol before God. And the way that you'll know this is because God will talk to you about it. Can I give an example so you know that I'm not perfect? I mean, I know you thought I might have been this morning. I just mismatched that. Okay. Um, I used to sell on eBay, and I've told you this before. I would sell, I love to thrift shop and um, sell clothes, and I was making quite a bit of money doing it. The only problem was every two seconds I was on my app, on my phone, checking if anyone had bid on anything or any bought anything and then two minutes later maybe someone's bid on something bought and I'd just be checking and then if someone bid but then they cancelled their bid or they didn't want to buy it I'd be sad I'd be thinking oh man they didn't buy my stuff but if someone bought something oh yes my life is now good can you see can you see what's happening here I'm like I'm up eBay's up I'm down eBay's down so then God starts to speak to me <laughs> and he starts saying Christy this thing is like an idol because you are doing this all the time. Because, of course, I kept forgetting to read my Bible because I got up first thing and I checked if what was on eBay. <laughs> okay, so I'm saying this because God challenged me and I'd love to say, so I got rid of everything and I got off eBay straight away. No, I thought, well, I'll cut back. So I thought I'd cut back. And within a month, I'm back on there with the same fervour. Okay, so this is my first thing. How do we overcome sin? The first one is obedience. All right, I needed to be obedient. Now, for some of you, eBay is fine. For some of you, food is fine, but some of you have problems with overeating. And God's spoken to you about it and he tries to pull you up, but you say, no, 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 oh, okay. That is sin because you need to listen to what God is saying. And it says in Romans 6.16, don't you know when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. So the opposite to sin here is obedience. So if we live in obedience, it leads us to righteousness. And God will talk to you. He's not going to leave you out there and not talk to you about this. The Holy Spirit will convict you. Okay, so live in freedom. Listen to that still small voice and do what it's saying. The second thing, which is what I had to do after that, other than getting rid of eBay, is to repent. So in Killing Kryptonite, John Bevere has a great explanation of freedom. I just think it's a great book. Anyone got Killing Kryptonite? I know you've got it. It's a very good book. And he talks about idolatry and how to smash it, basically. And he says in 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10 that godly sorrow brings repentance, leading to salvation... But the translation of salvation here is deliverance. So there's a difference between feeling sorry because you got caught. Who's ever been in that case? Oh, no, I got caught out. That's worldly sorrow. So what is godly sorrow? Godly sorrow is like, I love you, God, and I don't want to break your heart, and I'm sorry. 
and you repent with your whole heart because you love God. And that is what leads you to, that is your repentance, and it leads you to deliverance. So the thing that has got you bound, if you repent and say you're sorry with heartfelt repentance, you'll become free of that thing through that obedience and through repentance, okay? So God has a way out for us, (laughs) and we need to listen. We need to listen to what he's saying. And the third thing is walking in the Spirit. That will keep you from sin. And I love Galatians 5. That's where we've been this morning. It says in verse 16, So I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So that's what he says. That's it. That's my, I might as well just go home now. <laughs> you know, walk by the Spirit. Verse 18 says, If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So if you're led by the Spirit... You don't have to live in sin and be always fighting all the time. If you're led by the Spirit, he will set you free. Okay. And the last one here, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Who loves the thought? I don't know if anyone's had to walk along next to someone and you, you end up in step with them. My kids always try, but their legs aren't as long as mine. And I've been running before with my kids and I've got to slow my step down. You like that when your legs were little? And you try and keep up with me. And I'm thinking sometimes, is it like the Spirit? He's saying to walk with the Spirit. So how do we... I'm just thinking of every day. I get up in the morning and I say, good morning, Holy Spirit. I pray to the Spirit. I pray to God. I read my word. What are you saying this morning? And I go along and throughout the day, I'm just walking with the Spirit. I just want you to imagine... Who's ever walked on the beach? Walk along. Walk along. Keep in step. Sometimes I walk along with Matt. And we try and hold hands, which is so uncomfortable because I'm not a touchy-feely person, but we try and hold hands, and I'm trying to be romantic. Don't take a photo of me right now. Who's going to get one of me pointing? Walking along. Anyway, we get a bit out of step, and then it just gets a bit... Anyone done that? It's not very romantic. And I'm like, come on, and then get them back in step. And then we've got the romance again. So I'm thinking, are you walking with the Spirit? Because sometimes we're not in step. We're not in step. We're not hearing what he's saying. And sometimes we're not listening to what he's saying. And I just want you to think of your whole day, every day, that you're just walking with the Spirit. It says to be led by the Spirit. What does it mean to be led by the Spirit? Well, the word led there is to be, it's not like force, it's like um, to be impelled to, in the mind. It's like that verse is saying to be led by the Spirit, that he, he, will, he will drive your thoughts. He, he will turn your thoughts to what God wants. And that's being led by the Spirit, not necessarily led by your hand, but by your mind. So let him lead you as you walk in step. Don't do awkward hand-holding. Take it from me. It's never good. Try to avoid it. (laughs) The second way that we can be stuck and not in freedom is shame. Yeah, this is a big one. And I feel like I preach this every time I preach, (laughs) but that's okay because we're just working through it. I read a good definition of shame, actually. It says it's about who we are. We feel we cannot change, so we hide or run away from any threat or exposure or attack that anyone who might get get near the truth. So we don't want anyone to know who we really are because we have shame. So it's it's who we, we think that we are, and that is where the shame is. And it's also about condemnation. Okay, so... There's no way out, there's no solution, judgment and death. So we feel like we should be judged, so there's a shame hanging over us. 
So this is about not knowing who we are. So have we already talked about who we are this morning? I'll remind you in Romans 8, 14 to 17, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father, or Daddy. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children, Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. All right, so we're up there. (laughs) We are co-heirs with Christ. We are seated with Christ this morning. That is, And once again, this is your positional freedom this morning. This is your position. This is where you're coming from. And then we already mentioned Romans 8 verse 1, there is no condemnation. So that should knock it on the head, shouldn't it? That's what the scripture says. But (laughs) how do we have shame? How can we still have shame? And I believe it's... I had this image of wearing this beautiful jacket of freedom and redemption and it's like people come up in our life and they stick sticky notes on us. I was going to get someone to do it but I thought it might end up really nasty. (laughs) So I'm going to keep my family away today. But I just imagine people come up and stick things on you, over you. Has anyone had anything stuck to you? I don't know if I should ask that. I'll mention one that happened to me when I was 21. Um, I was diagnosed with depression and I was really, really sick and um, was not functioning at all. And someone wrote me a letter. And in the letter they said, you're not a very good friend. You should reach out to people. You're not a good friend. Now, they obviously weren't understanding I was having a hard time and I was withdrawing. So they said to me, they said a lot of nice things but the one thing that stuck to me is you're not a good friend. Ever since then, I meet someone new and then what do I hear? You're not a good friend. You're not a good friend. <laughs> now what does God say about me? Well, I know God says good things, but I'm not a good friend. And I have to say, gosh, I'm nearly how far off 40. I'm, I mean, that's a while now, isn't it? It's a long time. And it was only two weeks ago I felt... In my mind, you're not a good friend. And I felt God say, who told you that? I didn't. Why are you not a good friend? I thought, I haven't actually questioned this in nearly 20 years. I've never questioned that lie. I've never said, you know what? I'm a good friend. I'm actually a good friend. I'm thinking, how long had it taken me to question that lie? How many of you have things stuck to you today? Who's ever had a kick me on their back? <laughs> My kids love that stuff. Oh, and you're getting kicked because you've got something stuck on you that doesn't belong to you. And people will stick stuff to you. Now, I know that person meant well. Sometimes we say things to people that we mean well, but the Satan can use it to stick something to someone. So be careful what you say. I have to read you the most amazing story this morning. Everyone turn to 2 Samuel chapter 9. And I want to read you a story about a man that was sidelined and minimised and labelled. He had the whole pack of sticky notes stuck to his face, I tell you what. It is an amazing story, okay? I'm going to start at the start of this chapter. We're talking about King David. So he, in this chapter, he is a figure of of God, because he is the king, all right? So see him in that way. David asked, is there anyone still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now, do you know the story of Jonathan? 
when King Saul was hunting down David, David had been promised to be king, but King Saul was still the king. He was going to be, God was going to get rid of him as the king. And his son, Jonathan, King Saul's son, Jonathan, was a good friend of David. And they were like, I don't know, guys aren't like BFF. You don't do that, BFF. Mates, they were best mates. Here we go. All right, just like the Brodies down there. Ah, BFF. You love it. You know, but they were. They were really... They were, and John, David says that. It was like their hearts were together. They really loved each other. So he, because of Jonathan's kindness to him, he wanted to repay that. Okay, and that's an amazing thing. There was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba at your service? He replied. The king asked, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul? to whom I can show God's kindness because Saul and Jonathan had been killed. And Ziba answered the king and said, there is one son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. So we actually don't know this guy's name. He's the guy known as lame in both feet. Is that nice? So sometimes you say, oh, do you know that person? Yeah, she's the one that's really tall and kind of overweight. She's the one that has really bad acne. She's the one that, you know, her marriage broke down. She's the one, that, do we do that sometimes? <laughs> That's what people say. We don't even know his name. He is just known as the disabled one. Okay. In those days, you can imagine disability and not being able to walk carried a lot of shame. Right? There would have been a lot of shame heaped on this man. <laughs> he was a, basically a nobody. Yet he was the grandson of the man that was the king. Okay? He should have been high up. <laughs> so, where is he, the king asked. And Zeba answered, he is at the house of Machir, son of Amiel in Lodabar. So, uh, David had him brought from Lodabar to the house, from the house of Machir, son of Amiel. So, do you know what Lodabar means? I bet you can't bet. <laughs> it means pastureless. Okay, so being pastoralist, it means a worthless, dry place. So here is this man that should have been in line for the throne and he should have had a lot of respect. He is living in a dry, pastoralist, he's living in a worthless place. So how much worse for this poor bloke, all right? <laughs> so Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, now we know his name. Try and say this ten times fast, Mephibosheth. Feel sorry for me because I've got to keep saying it. <laughs> Mephibosheth, son of Saul, came to David and he bowed down to pay him honour. David said, and all he said to him is, Mephibosheth. So now I'm going to tell you what his name means. It means dispeller of shame. So his name means to get rid of shame. That's what his name was. <laughs> so he's called shame because he can't walk. He lives in a place that is full of shame. He's labelled with shame, but his name means dispeller of shame. So this morning God says to us, you know, Christy, daughter of the king, inheritor of every promise. And I say, but not a good friend. He says, no. So it's like this man walked in and David announced to him, dispeller of shame, and he's bowing there before him. So what is God calling you today? 
What is God? What, if you don't know, read your word because that will tell you. Just a hint. Okay. Start to seek out these promises. And David says to him, and this is the most incredible thing, I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. How incredible. And so God shows his kindness. We don't deserve what we have been given, but God has restored to us everything. Okay, he's restored everything. And then Mephibosheth, 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 someone say it, bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Okay, so, and we're not just talking any kind of thing he's put him down with. A dead dog in the Middle East, a dog in itself is a filthy thing. A dead dog is even worse, okay. So he's calling himself a not very nice thing because it was a shamed animal. David has just restored everything and then he said, but, but, I'm, a, but I'm a this, okay? And then he summons Saul, Saul's steward, Zeba, and he says, okay, so restore everything to him. He ignores that, what he said, and he says, no, come on, restore it all to this man. Mephibosheth, I still can't say it, grandson of your master will always eat at my table. And so Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons, So he's been restored and Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. It actually ends by saying, but he was disabled. So I'm wondering, did he ever overcome, did he ever see himself restored? And from what the author is saying here, no, he never saw himself as a dispeller of shame. We have the opportunity this morning, if we understand who we are this morning, that we don't have to be stuck with these labels. So did you know the truth of the word of God will set you free? Know the truth and it will set you free. So you need to read your word. Listen to podcasts. um, Read some of the reading things you can do on version, But don't get secondhand food. Get it for yourself. Open your own Bible. I love listening to podcasts. I love people discerning what God says, but I want to know what he's saying to me. So I want to go to my word every morning and say, okay, God, what are you saying to me? Because he wants to talk to you direct, okay? Nothing against the other way of hearing God. Get it directly, okay? And just be noticing how you talk. I was writing here, no slave talk, okay? I just had an image of Prince Charles. Who is Prince Charles? He is the son, or he's in line to the throne, He's, a, he's an heir of the throne. You don't hear him walking around saying, yo. Like, I don't think Prince Charles would say, <laughs> yo, yo, Camilla, let's go down the hood. <laughs> it's like, no, he says, Camilla, let's go out for dinner. <laughs> is that what he'd say? I know, aren't you glad this is recorded? You can play it back. No, but seriously, I just had this image, like he knows who he is. He knows his authority. He's not going to walk around talking low about anything. He's going to know how to speak. We need to know what, how to speak. It never sounds good us sitting around talking about negativity and yuck. All right, start to talk like who you are. And the last thing is fear, how we think. So I feel like this morning with this little bird down here that this morning, if, if you feel like you're work, working through shame and you're working through sin and you feel like you're, you're going to come out in freedom, fear can attack. 
how we think. It, it minimizes us, it cripples us. I love Second Timothy verse um, one, chapter se- um, sorry, chapter one, verse seven. Notice in the preceding verse here as well that before this verse, God reminds Timothy who he is. He said, the letter is to Timothy and he's encouraging him. Paul is saying, you are the, what is it, the daughter, uh, daughter. You are the son of Eunice and your grandmother had faith as well. That's what he says. So he says, okay, this is your position. You have authority in Christ and your grandmother had authority and so you have authority. And he's saying, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love of a sound mind. So let's team this scripture here with 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So the word for captivity, we take captive every thought and the word for God has given us a sound mind They're both moderation or self-control. So in taking captive of every thought and with fear, taking captive or having a sound mind means that we can control what we think. We can control when fear comes, we can control what we can do with that. We don't have to, we may feel fear initially, then we need to take it captive, right, in our mind. And we ultimately conquer fear when we know who Jesus is. All right, so we have the power to do it. And the way that we can do that is through knowing that we have that power through Jesus Christ. All right, so we're going to jump to Matthew. This is my last bit of scripture this morning. Matthew 14, verses, and I can't read it, 23, I think it says. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them. This is the disciples walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Don't you love Peter? He's just the one out there. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Like, I don't know, do you think you would have been in the boat or on the water? (laughs) Like, seriously. I, oh, that is, I mean, he was so gung-ho, wasn't he? He was like, I love that. We say a lot of stuff about Peter, but seriously, the guy was like, let me at it, I'm out there. I think we need a bit more Peter. I think we need a bit of that this morning, okay? Just without the behind, get behind me, Satan. Just without that bit, all right? But he was incredible. And, and Jesus said, okay, come. And then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus I think we focus on Peter's sinking. Just for a minute, focus on the fact that he got out of the boat and he was actually walking. <laughs> like, let's celebrate that for a minute. Like, how many of us, God calls us to just go and tell that person I love him at the supermarket or something, and we go, i just got to go to the frozen section, Lord. i just got to go to the frozen section. I had that once. It was really funny. I had these people going through the supermarket with their trolley, and every time I saw them... I felt like God was telling me to pay for their groceries. <laughs> so then I started to try and avoid them, but we just kept going past each other. And I'm like, okay, okay, Lord. And it was a little embarrassing. I'm like, no. Nah. I said, I just feel like God told me to pay for your groceries. And that was just a huge thing to them. But it was just being obedient, wasn't it? But I think it was just that thing of fear. What are they going to think? They're going to think I'm really strange. <laughs> but God will call you to do stuff 
And we need to be obedient and we need to say, okay, I want to do this, God, because in that is freedom. In that is the freedom. And so he saw the wind and he became afraid and he became to, began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? And so I think the enemy, when we start to walk out and walk in freedom, he will attack us. He will attack us in our mind, okay? And the key here is verse 31. It says, oh, you a little faith. Why did you doubt? So in other words, he's saying, Peter, you know who I am. You know who I am. You can put your confidence in me. See, Peter knew he was God. He said, you are Christ. You are the Christ, the Son of living God. He'd had the revelation of Christ. So sometimes we've had the revelation that God can do impossible things, that God is our healer and deliverer. Then when it gets fearful, we, we immediately have doubt. And God is saying to some of you this morning, you don't need to waver. You just need to know who I am. And you know who he is once again through the truth of the word. The Spirit reveals Christ and he will reveal Christ to you as you study the word of God and as you walk with the spirit that you will begin to have a revelation of who God is because if you know how big your God is there's just nothing too big there's just nothing too big for you okay and we just need to begin to step out thank you Lord perfect love casts out fear perfect love God's love is perfect because he is love. And so it casts out fear. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And that is where freedom is. That is where the freedom is. Living in faith and living in his confidence and living in his freedom. And I just feel like this morning, I think we've unpacked a few things that um, really are speaking to some people here. I know there's probably a few things I said, and maybe not everything, but there just might be one thing and you just feel that nudge in your spirit, like, yeah, that was for me. That was for me. And so we need to be responsive. We need to be responsive to... We can go home and say, that was nice. Or we can say, you know what, God, I want to change. I want to be free. I want to be free. I want you to show me where I'm not free. If this morning you go, I think I'm all good... That's okay, but God might start to let you know that, hey, there's something here I want you to look at. And he will just start to open your eyes to, to things that he wants to change for his glory. It's hard to reach out and reach the world when we hate ourselves or we have such bondage in our own life. And God wants you to overcome it. So there's things that we have to do and there's things that he wants to do. <laughs> and it's to know the difference in Jesus' name. So some of you today, it might be a sin issue. There's something that you're putting before God and he's really nudging you about it and you're not listening. I just feel this morning you just need to repent of that and just turn back, turn around and start to listen because there's such blessing in that and freedom when you start to listen. You know, And some of you have got the sticky notes on you this morning. And you've, you've never questioned them. You've just sort of believed them. Well, once you know what God says, you can't live with them anymore. So you need to start to flick them off this morning. Ask God to remove them for you. 
and fear as well. Living in fear this morning, I just need to just pray and I just speak against fear in people's lives this morning. Lord, you are, you dispel fear. Lord, you get rid of it. Lord, and we just pray this morning people will no longer live in a spirit of fear, in power and love and sound mind this morning, Lord. Lord, may we start to step out in faith. May we step out of the boat this morning. Praise the Lord. There's some of you, there's a lot more, there's a lot more for you. I feel God saying this morning, there's a lot more for you. You haven't seen your greatest days yet. (laughs) There's more, there's more, there's more. Just walk with the Spirit. Let him start to reveal, reveal what he wants you to do. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. This morning, I'm just really, to finish, really wanted to sing... Who you say I am. I do that. Do you want me to come back up? How about you all stand with us this morning? You've been listening to Life Church Podcasts. For more information, head to lifechurchbanella.com.au.